Hi, and thanks for joining the SJ Child Show. The SJ Child Show brings value to families through education and resources. But the SJ Child Show isn't just about me. It's about us as a community. Join me as we help educate and support our community, help bring kindness and love and inclusion to all. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen and watch. I really appreciate all the support from all of the viewers and listeners. And I just want to let you know, I want you to join me on this journey. Come and follow my social media and let's do this together. Enjoy the show. Introducing Autism Vehicle Home Safety Kits, Emergency Responder, Alert Stickers, Personal Profiles with Autism Needs and a Communication Board, Masks and Earplugs, Keeping Families and Emergency Responders Educated and Safe. Get yours today at sjchilds.org. Helping autism families impact their child's developmental milestones through home relocation, community resources, and home designs. For every three homes Natalie Castro sells, she funds and designs a sensory room for a community center servicing individuals with autism. She volunteers to coach law enforcement, first responders, and ER nurses how to have a positive experience for individuals on the autism spectrum. Hi, and welcome to the SJ Child Show. I'm your host, SJ Child, and today I have a wonderful guest, the founder of Autism Wish, Leah McCabe. Thank you so much for being here today. Hopefully I pronounced your last name correctly. Yeah, that's correct. Thank you for Good. having me. Yeah, I'm such a pleasure to have you, and I just love your uh, foundation that you have. I love the podcast that you're doing, so we have some great stuff to talk about today. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, let's hear about you. Give us a little introduction about yourself. So I am Leah McCabe. Um, so founder of Autism Wish and also the host of the Embracing Autism podcast. Um, we are, my husband and I are kind of running um, this little mom and pop style charity that we created out of the need that we saw through COVID. And that's really what drove everything because we realized that once COVID hit, you were cut off from everything. You were cut yeah. off of therapies. You were cut off of resources. Like kids weren't even getting accommodations at school anymore. So and we then saw that, was that, that yeah, right, exactly. And then we saw like the impact that that was having, not just on our kids, but online and social media. I saw how it was impacting a bunch of other children as well. So we basically got into autism and kind of giving back to the community because our children were also diagnosed with autism very young. Um, and we are ourselves neurodiverse. So like neurodiversity runs in our family and it's just something that's already ingrained so deeply in us. Yeah. So we just decided that like, that's something that we were really passionate about and wanted to do that. something more about. And is it a 501c3? I think that's, isn't that the name of it? I'm not sure if I said <laughs> yeah. that correctly. Not yet. Right okay. now we what we call it right now is a mom and pop style. Charity. I love it. I love it. No, I agree. <laughs> it's like perfect. No worries. It's all like volunteer run at the moment um, because we're still trying to think about what direction we want to go with it. So yeah. we haven't filed for anything yet, but we are definitely thinking long-term. Yeah. A hundred percent. No, I agree. I think that it's, and it's a wonderful, wonderful idea to help kids. I saw that one, what that you did was raise money for ear, um, you know, earbuds or I mean, 
earmuffs. Earmuffs, And it's so important to just show the community when you do these kinds of things that, you know, you're specific to the the needs that you're trying to raise the money for. So I think that that's so wonderful. I just love it. Yeah, absolutely. We did. So we have that earmuff drive that we do for the 4th of July specifically because a lot of kids can't go see fireworks because of the noise. And we're like, part of our mission is to make community accessible Mm -hmm. to autistic children. So we're providing that. And we also send out Valentine's cards for Valentine's. And then of course we have our annual Christmas gift drive that we do as well. Oh, I love that. And we'll definitely get some more information about that so that we can post about it here soon. Getting into that season. Oh my gosh. Are you ready? (laughs) Actually, it's funny because um, we, we usually do it a little bit early. So gifts have already been sent out and everything. Yay. it's awesome because like you get to see the reactions, you get to see photos of the kiddos and it's just like, I love it. I love seeing the kids so happy. Oh, I, I, it is the best part. You know, that's interesting. We'll have to talk about, um, some maybe things that we do, uh, in our families to accommodate our children, because I'm like you, uh, have a family of fully neurodiverse and we don't, we're not able to live off of society's nine to five rules. Like we have to bend the rules to what works for us. And that is outside the box thinking that, you know, people looking in would be like, ah, it's chaos. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? What kind of things do you find in your family that you're, um, are making accommodations for? Well, one of the big things, and we actually just talked about this in our last episode, because one of the biggest lifesavers that we found is we have two children that are both diagnosed autistic. They're both toddlers and they're both elopers. So the biggest problem that we've had with them is just getting out of the house. Like we can't really go out of the house anywhere because of the elopement issue. And most of the time I'm at home, I work from home and my husband works on site. So I'm the one who has to bring them to their daily therapies by myself. So you've got two eloping kids by yourself, daily therapies. Mm. And then the facility is right on a major highway. So what I did finally, and I was so excited to like be able to do this and share with other people that you can do this. I got a wagon, a wonderful wagon, and I was able to get it through a prescription from the doctor in order to get it covered by my insurance. So I actually didn't pay anything for this and it's really expensive. So it was such a blessing. So now I'm able to just strap them in and I can go to places. It's like, it's like my whole world opened up. It's like, yeah. wow, I can actually leave my house now. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm so glad to hear that. And I'll have to maybe get a link and look look at what you got there. Um, I think that that's a really fantastic idea to give parents. I don't, I mean, I remember we got the little monkey backpack leash, you know, and people probably cringed, but you know, too bad. It, it's better than having our child run it, you know, up to Yellowstone, the, you know, I remember that's where we used it at, at most, you know, that kind of people, there were so many people that we got the most reactions from. Yeah. And it was just like, it's too bad. <laughs> like it's, yeah, this is for his safety. We promise, we promise. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's, that's really hard with two. I can, I can imagine, um, what kind of, uh, what do you have for your home? Like, do you have door alarms and things like that? They're pretty little still, so they probably can't, yeah get doorknobs and stuff like that yet, but yeah, they're, they're pretty little. We just have like the doorknob safety thing and they still can't figure that one out. But 
it's coming soon. It's around yeah. the corner. So well, we will be looking into security systems and all that. Absolutely. And we had when when our kids were little, they're they're 10 and 12 now. So that's under control. But there's no in fact, our son used to be in a loper, but he never leaves the house. Like he doesn't like to leave the house, which is so good for us. Like he has left the house and gone out like the window to the front yard, but he's never left the, the, premises the property or, yes, yeah. or anything, but he has left schools and that's been bad. So, but anyways, what I wanted to say was <laughs> a little, um, I guess a little plug for the national, um, autism association. If you go on their website, they have what's called the big red safety box. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. gotten one or yeah, I've gotten that. One. And that's a really great, um, resource for parents too, because it comes with window and door alarms in there and like little stop signs and has some good, good things to start with. (laughs) Yeah. It comes with a little identity bracelet as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we have the great vehicle safety kits that now you can put in your car with the sticker alerting emergency responders that there's a profile inside the car for your child's needs. I mean, I'm so excited because I finally heard back from the Autism Council of Utah that they want to get behind that and help me out with that a little bit. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That was so great. Fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. So what um, stuff are you guys doing now um, for the Autism Wish Foundation? So right now we're basically wrapping that the gift drive up, making sure everyone got their gifts. Um, and then we are actually also doing, um, some free virtual Santa sessions. So we still have a couple slots open, but yeah, we have a Santa who is willing to do some sessions with some autistic kiddos. So he knows, he knows the the drill. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. We should check notes afterwards and see if it's the same person that we see too. We've been seeing the same guy for six or seven years now. And it was the first year that we met him. It was, luckily it was in the middle of the day and he spent so much time. He spent like an hour with our son. He wow. you know, got down on the floor with him. He talked to him about at the thing at the time it was, um, different countries that he loved to talk about at like three or four. I, it was just like four, <laughs> four years old. And he was talking about different countries. And so he, he made Santa in awe anyways, which was this relationship that we built. And so we've had the amazing opportunity to actually see him for every birthday now. And oh, that's so cool. So on this, um, his birthday is coming up on the seventh. It's just a few days away. And so we have, we're doing the same thing that you saw in the group too, is having a virtual Santa and he's going to read aloud Christmas letters or Christmas lists yeah. for the kids too. So that's going to be so cute. And I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm so like, you feel so blessed to be able to bring these special things to the families. Um, yeah. You know, when I was uh, very first in the autism world, like, I can't believe it's been 11 years, you know, so long now. It's like when you find out that you have this community to back you, you have these other mothers, these friends that you make along the way. I mean, it's so it's it's so cozy feeling, right? It's just so I do. I, I do feel like that's the case if you find the right people, but I actually feel yeah. like initially it, I got the opposite reaction. Really? Because and of that. 
in the community or just from your own family and stuff? in the community oh. because there's that huge mm. autism divide that's happening right now with um like the autism community is kind of just split with how to approach autism yeah the pro agreed. ABA the anti ABA pro anti so when I first went into the world it was actually kind of like whoa what is going on? Any little yeah. thing you do or say is getting criticized. And so true. it was just really difficult to navigate initially. Yeah. And you know, that's why I created the group that I created because I, and I hope that you've seen being a part of it, that stuff doesn't happen there. Like I will shut that down. Like I didn't, I don't want, like I want people to come in and be able to vent and talk about things that are happening and give solutions, but there's no negative talk to anyone. There's, this is it, advocacy is about support. It's about building mm-hmm. people up and not tearing people down. And right. that's where some of these other groups, I'm just astonished. In fact, I'm a part of them because I want to help yet. I don't want to read half of their posts because they have, they're offensive. I think to myself, you know, I'm just like, no, you're, I just, you, there's not enough. Like I, and I love that about podcasting because it really gives you that voice and the storytelling to be able to say, Hey, let's rethink this. Let's right. Maybe you're looking at it the wrong way. Maybe you should try to think of it as your own perception rather than the behaviors of another human being that you're not understanding. Yeah. And that's part of what we try to do. Like with our podcast is we try to bring in controversial topics on purpose. Yeah. Like we have an entire episode just dedicated to talking about all the controversy. Yeah. And <laughs> I love that. I know we just, we put a disclaimer at the beginning and we're like, please don't shoot the messenger. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, um, but because I feel like right now in society, just across the board, it's not even just autism world. It it seems like people will have a really hard time communicating effectively now where it seems like no matter what position you take, Mm -hmm. everybody is just deciding to just stand firm and not hear what the other person has to say. And I feel like part of what we are trying to do is find a way to like merge the sides together, create a bridge and like some common middle ground. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. And you really see it. And uh, there's a couple points I want to make to that because number one, with our world changing so drastically into written text messages. Well, you can't get across emotion in it, in words like that. You can't, it, you know, if when you're on these type of subjects that are so raw and emotional, they need to be handled delicately. And when you are misunderstanding or misinterpreting or even miswording things, it can mess everything mm-hmm. up because like I could say something wrong right now in this conversation and say, Oh wait, I didn't mean that. And come back and you can see that my face is flushed and I didn't, you know, and it's very obvious yeah. of our communication, but that has died down because of the, all of the lack of, of, you know, relationship building and things, especially with our small, you know, our younger kids and you know, you're kind of, lucky only in the sense that they're so little, they're not out there socializing, you know, as much. Yeah. Yeah. My nine-year-old who it has hit her so hard. Like I, and she's resilient. She's courageous. She's strong. She's confident, but she's not getting those experiences. And that's still like detrimental, you know, in, in, in your relationship building experiences in the world. So it's tricky. Yeah. And I feel like that's particularly impacting the autistic community because like 
autism in general comes along with the extra baggage of having difficulty with social interactions and being able to read what the other person is saying between yeah. the lines and all that. So then you throw in all this like text where you take out all that context that normally is already difficult for them to decode. And I just feel like it's just a disaster waiting to happen. Exactly. Total train wreck. I agree. I agree. (laughs) Exactly. The way you laid it out too. It's, it is interesting. Um, what do you think, um, are you seeing for families? Like what is the biggest thing we can do to help bring resources to families as a community? I think right now, one of the biggest things is really education. Um, most of the time when people get thrown into the world of autism, they know nothing about it because up until this point, autism has been, you know, one to 2% of the population has been affected by it. Although new data just came out, I think yesterday week saying that, yeah, it's like now almost 3% One in 44 kids in the U S yeah. So, I mean, people are going to have to get involved because it's becoming more prevalent, but I think that education without the education, there just becomes more of that like fear of the unknown. Like Mm -hmm. if you don't know, you imagine, and usually your imagination comes up with a lot worse than reality. (laughs) I feel like, (laughs) I feel like if we were able to bring more autism education to the world in like a Mm -hmm. sensitive manner where we are incorporating both sides of the argument and voices from across the table, I think that would be like more effective essentially. No, I completely agree with that. And I think that we need to, like for autism awareness month, you know, this last April, I was like, for me, this is autism action month because I already have awareness. Like what I need to help the world is an acceptance and education, just like you said, through my actions. And so I was like heavy hitting it heavy on I'm here's the actions that I'm going to put forth. Like, and I hope that I'm educating, you know, my audiences and my um, listeners and all of that. I'm sure that they have a much better better understanding of autism if they didn't already being a supporter, you know? So, and it's just great because there are so many, just like you kind of had talked about with the, um, on your podcast about ADHD, there's so many components to autism. There's so many, um, comorbidities. There's so many different, it's just so it's like a scattered, you know, mess across the universe. And it's like one end to one end. And there has to be uh, an understanding and like accommodations put in place in the world because uh, our brilliant minds are coming out of these kinds of thinkers. Right. And unfortunately, as much progress as we make, I still see comments all the time that just kind of hurt my heart for the child. Like, yeah, I just saw just yesterday, a comment in a, a forum and a parent had posted basically complaining about how their child always hits the kid when they make a screaming sound or something like that. And so I recommended, I was like, Hey, well, why don't you try some earmuffs or something like that? It sounds like the sound might be like a sensory overload trigger for them. And their response to it was, well, my child needs to learn to behave. And I'm just like that, that always, this is the problem. It's where the problem lies. Yeah, exactly. Cause like I, I have sound sensitivity and for me, it can trigger migraines. Like last night I had to stay in my bed with the lights off because of the sound sensitivity and people just don't understand that if they don't experience it. Exactly. So I feel like building that empathy is really important too. 
No, I agree with that. And I think that it's so important that parents, um, especially new parents that are getting diagnosis, they, that they also get support for themselves, that they also, you know, hopefully these early intervention programs or any programs are offering help to the parents as well, because they need it. They need those, that guideline. I remember one of our very first therapists in home, you know, DJ was like, 16 to 18 months old, just as little as, you know, as yours, you can appreciate that. And (laughs) there was no verbal language. It was so hard to kind of be the puzzle master, if you will, and try to figure everything out with, you know, little pieces here and there and here and there. But when she said to us like, okay, here's what you guys can do to start the interacting process. We want you to do ready, set, go with him. Yeah. It was so exciting, you know, and, and just for those three little words and that, like, look, looking our way and saying, here's your homework. It was game changing. We then realized, well, wait a second. Yeah. He's getting all the services and all the support, but we need that too. We need to help. And we need to understand how to help along the way. Yeah, I actually really emphasize that in my podcast too, because I think that the reason my husband and I have been able to see such great results with our kids, I mean, we don't, we don't have them in ABA. We did floor time therapy and we got some training through the public school system and we just applied floor time therapy ourselves at home and it takes work. Like I know it's hard. Like we're both full-time like parents and full-time jobs. We've got two autistic kids. They've got therapies Monday through Thursday, and then they've got early intervention on Fridays. So like, I get it. It's a lot of work, but it does ultimately make a positive impact. So mm-hmm. we were left exhausted at the end of the day, but it's made huge strides in how far they've be, been able to come so far. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I hate to put it back in the parents' lap like that or in their, you know, wheelhouse, but really though, it, it's what do you want for your child at the end of the day? What do you want to see them in five or 10 years? Do you, you know, are you going to regret that you spent more time, you know, doing other things than, than not just like putting the work in because those early intervention years, they're necessary. It's like not even optional, you know, to really, to be honest, like they need that. And that will build up the strengths, the, the relationship, the trust, and, you know, I love uniquely that book, uniquely human. If I don't know if you've read it yet or, or seen it or anything. Yeah. They have but, a podcast too. Yeah. And I, I just had Dr. Prezant on my podcast, in fact. And so it was so wonderful to be able to pick his brain and, and to talk about that. And I love the way I feel like I was already living my life that way. I was already living my life, looking at my children as human beings with human being behaviors And how can I support that? And how can I help them strategize that rather than looking at the behavior like his school did at one point, you know, he's bad. He left the school. Well, he's six and barely verbal. So there's nothing bad about that. That has no intentions whatsoever. Right. Like that does not go hand in hand. And the, the perception and things that was their fault that was on them. They should have taken accountability and responsibility for that. And that's too bad that they didn't. And I did 
didn't make it more of a thing. Now, maybe I'll go back five years later and, and tell them a thing or two. But, you know, it's it's just like it's really indicative of how you want to how what do you see for your child? Like, is it is it important enough that you put in the work for it? And, you know, I mean, that might sound cruel or whatever, but it's it is it is true. Well, and the other thing that we talk about is the idea of being able and being willing to have flexibility with that, because there were a lot of things that we wanted for our children at the beginning. We were scoping out schools. We already knew like what we wanted them to try and all this stuff. And we were looking at private schools, for example, they no longer qualify for them because of the autism. They don't have the accommodations for that. So that instantly was not an option. But what I did is I found the curriculum the school is using, and now I will be using that curriculum in homeschool. So it's like, you just find a way to adjust and accommodate to still get them what they need just in like unique, creative ways. Exactly. Well, that's the thing I love about you personally is because you already are neurodiverse. And so you're able to already have that flexibility. You're able to understand those parameters. And when you, you know, like in older generations, they have a really hard time with that flexible thinking because in their generations growing up, everything was, you know, finish everything off, off your plate, whether you like it or not. My kid looks at a plate of food and gags, like no way. Like he would have, you know, he would have died of starvation or something. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's just so, it's so sad just to kind of see well. And so good to see like the growth that we've made as, um, you know, as humans and, and evolution and things. So I think that that's interesting. Yeah. It's, those things are hard for parents to, to really accept, I think, and, and really finding the right parenting style for that individual child too. I'm sure with two different, you know, girls, oh, you yeah. seeing they are two different girls. You can't parent them the same. Mm-mm. No, actually we had the first one. She was diagnosed with autism 11 months later, the other one came around and she was also diagnosed really early. And we actually missed it initially with the second one because it was so different from the first one. Mm -hmm. Like the second one's very hyperactive and sensory seeking. And the first one was very sensory avoiding. So we didn't really think initially that she was autistic because she didn't present at all like her sister. And it was actually the doctor that caught on to it and was like, maybe we should take a look at her too. I love that. I'm glad to hear that too, because I think that that needs to be a more active role. Like, um, you know, finding a good pediatrician or even having just more um, education for pediatricians across the board, especially with these numbers rising, there should be more of a need out in the community for, um, you know, assessment possibilities through your pediatrician, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like those are things that maybe they should really start to think about. I know that just recently they added so that now I believe it's pretty much mandatory to do the MCHAT at 18 months with pediatricians. Mm. They just recently added that as a screening. And they're saying that they believe that's probably one of the reasons why the diagnosis rate jumps Mm -hmm. um, because they're catching it more. Exactly. Um, But the other thing is there needs to be more people willing to get into the field because there's really high demand, but there's not a whole lot of doctors out there that specialize in autism, for example, there's not a whole lot of therapists available. So it, it just, it needs to get down to the point of like, what are people going to school for too? Like we need to start encouraging this as a viable career pathway. Exactly. Exactly. And they need to be paid properly for it. These are children who are vulnerable children. We can't expect, you know, uh, somebody making $11 an hour to commit 
what our children need to, for them to be successful. They, I, I mean, obviously it's an upside down conversation that could take five sessions. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, so many problems with her right now. So okay. many. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, we won't billboard that one up, but yeah, that's <laughs> so interesting. Oh, what kind of support can we give you through the autism wish, um, and things, how can we support you? Let us know. So right now, the way that we function is basically since we are hundred percent volunteer, everything that we do is through sponsorships and public donations. Essentially um, we are not filed like as a nonprofit. So at the moment it's not tax, tax exempt, but a hundred percent of those proceeds go straight towards gifting children or doing these like secret Santa or Santa sessions yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. So um, right now, the thing that would help us the most is if anyone's able, just going to our website, autismwish.org slash donate and just donating anything you can. We even have an option for like donating your time. So oh, yeah. something to help us with social media posts or Love just that. anything like that. And we also have um, just little things that you can do that are free, like liking our Facebook page, sharing some posts, referring people to our Embracing Autism podcast, yes. just little things like that, because the more likes we get, the more shares we get, and the more reviews we get on Facebook, um, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, the more attractive we are to sponsors, which helps us then be able to gift more children. I agree. Agreed. Oh, I love that. Leah, I'm so excited <laughs> that we finally were able to connect and do this. And thank you for your, your patience and the scheduling, <laughs> everything. So I'm, I'm really glad we narrowed it down and we're able to come together. Um, I will have all of the links and everything um, in the descriptions. Again, tell us your website again. It's www.autismwish.org and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Autism Wish. Perfect. Oh, thank you so much for being here today. And Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll definitely be, you know, we're in contact anyway. So we'll, we'll <laughs> contact and, and catch up with each other soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. 